0: Yo, another episode of Real Sankara Hours. Real Sankara Hours. Follow us at Sankara Hours on Twitter. Um, we got a, a another free show for you. This is a free show for y'all. Um, for those of you who are listen, listening to this for free, um, we encourage you to subscribe. Uh, www. slash real sankara hours to get um, bonus content uh for $5 dollars a month and contribute to the show because um yeah during a time yeah. time like this yeah. we need independent black media so
1: yeah i mean your favorite white lefty podcasters can't talk about it they really can't no. not not in the way you know we are not to act like we have you know are the have all the answers but you know we have movement experience and historical context in a way that other people just don't yeah so
0: yeah so we're going to be talking about obviously the um the the pro the anti-police protests going around going on throughout the country and which have also sent shockwaves throughout the world as well because there's a lot of protests in other parts of the country that are protesting against um systemic racism and police violence so we're gonna we're gonna be talking about just uh we're gonna keep keep that discussion going, basically. It's just some new developments. This is um, we're recording this on uh, June tenth, twenty twenty. So these protests have been going on for I think like what two weeks? So yeah,
1: let's yeah. just Yeah, let's just dive right into it. Um, um should we introduce ourselves? Oh right, yeah. <laughs> so I'm Adam Hudson, follow me at Adam Hudson Five on Twitter. And I'm Peter M. Gun. follow me at Mgun Peter. The you know one thing I do want to say about social media right now is that um, <laughs> as as dumb as Twitter can get, it has reminded me, like, why I was ever on it, you know, in the first place, because it's a way to get information across that you can't do anywhere else. But you also really have to be careful because they these companies, like, are – like work with the feds okay they work with the police yeah and you know this isn't twitter but i i discovered something i was watching an organizer's story on instagram and something popped up and it said this post may con- contain partly false information like and then i literally had to like then they said why does this say this and it says that it's You know, the Associated Press flagged this as partly false or whatever. But what that, what it was a picture of that Instagram had flagged as misleading information was a picture of the Columbus City budget that shows how they spend like 10 times as much on the police as they do on anything else. It's something you had retweeted, Adam, Mm -hmm. believe. And, you know, somehow that got flagged as misleading information. So, you know the it's important to understand that you know despite the fact that twitter like you know put black lives matter in their home office or whatever despite the fact that they really made a lot of bread off of it like they mm-hmm. should you cannot trust these social media companies and you know they are doing as much suppressing the movement as they are amplifying it and so yep uh we do you know one of the things of this and one of the things of you know taking this into a broader and more long-standing insurrectionary anti-police movement is developing our own platform so yeah you know we'll try maybe we'll have conversations with tech savvy people about that because it's something i've been thinking about a lot but um what else has been going on you know so- oakland police didn't they like fire 40 shots into someone's car i think
0: so i think so i um <clears throat> Well, I know in San Jose, there is a black man who was basically shot in the nuts by a rubber bullet in San Jose, and he was actually um, an anti-bias trainer for police officers. (laughs) So, yeah, so they shot him in the nuts with rubber bullets at a protest, and he was the one who was supposed to train police on how to be less racist. So, that that right there shows that, like, all the sort of uh you know let's get rid of implicit bias in police like that training it just it just yeah. doesn't work they don't care and i think like the, if, is there... if anything it makes them more racist yeah um and also uh, let's just start with this because this this has been on the news so um joe biden i think this is a couple days ago joe biden press um basically who's the democratic nominee at this point um he came out and said he does not support um defunding the police and not just him but also bernie sanders he he was oh yeah like he um he said he didn't support defunding the police he gave some like let me i'm gonna try to find the actual quote but he gave some like sort of like very tepid response but he basically I'm an idiot he basically uh poo the idea of uh defunding the police i think he was more like you know, we need smarter police yeah, or something. Yeah, no, we
1: need no, he's he wants he's like we need to give cops more money. We need to pay them more. We need to reward them for all the murders they've committed. Yeah. You know, you can't make this shit up. Like here's here's what let me say about uh about old Bernard, because, you know, I I advocated for him, I guess, pretty hard in uh this time around and You know, there's definitely some self-critique that I have to do with how I totally misunderstood the situation. But I guess what I will say that is clarifying and in some ways gratifying is that it is clear to me that the only reason Bernie ever came correct on any of this stuff in the first place was because there was some movement basically forcing him to do it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the phenomenon that bernie sanders was was a product a pure product of the movement because it certainly wasn't from him Mm -hmm. the man so if you think about that and if you think about how you know we basically turned him into something and you know got that close to pure people power considering uh, i guess what we had to work with um (laughs) right that you can feel a little bit better about it but also fuck off dude your time's done so, nobody gives a shit anymore
0: so here is so this was this is in a interview he did with the new yorker that came out recently and uh so i'll just read the question he was asked and then um sanders sanders's answer so in that letter to schumer so there's a letter that sanders wrote that argued for quote, Ensuring that the resources are available to pay wages that will attract the top tier officers. Unquote. So, so he sent this letter to Schumer. Uh, yeah. So the question: cops already make six what six figures? Yeah. So he, the question is: you got some pushback from some of your some of your supporters for a proposal to give better resources to police departments? The criticism was that a lot of people in the progressive movement now are calling for defunding or abolishing the police. Do you? And then this is Sanders' answer. Um, Do i think we should not have police departments in america no i don't there's no city in the world that does not have police departments what we need are i didn't call for more money for police departments um okay that wait i didn't call for more yeah that's he's sort of waffling i called for police departments to have well-educated well-trained well-paid professionals and too often around this country right now you have police officers who take the job at very low payment don't have much education don't have much training and i want to change that i also i also called for the transform, transformation of police departments into understanding that many police departments and cops deal every day with issues of mental mental illness deal with issues of addiction and all kinds of issues which should be dealt with by mental health professionals or others and not just by police officers i think we want to um redefine redefine what police departments do, give them the support they need to make their jobs better defined. So I do believe that we need well-trained, well-educated, and well-paid professionals in police departments. Anyone who thinks that we should abolish all the police departments in America, I don't agree. Well, you know who disagrees with Sanders? The Minnesota City Council, which voted to disband their entire police department. And the reason they gave was that the Minnesota Police Department was so corrupt that it was beyond reform so they had to yeah. disband it now i do want to say like um i think camden new jersey
1: also ab- yeah i, I was going to bring up camden yeah. cuz Cam- camden is kind of notorious as like one of those places that it's like gary it's like the gary of the east mm-hmm. coast where it's just like ugh you know deindustrialization hit that hard and just did not quit yeah um and as as a bit of a reputation but yeah, they basically, like, dispi- they basically, you know, wiped the whole slate clean and then, like, made every cop, like, reapply for their job. Yeah, and, you know, yeah,
0: that's what happened. Yeah, that's what happened. When they, they basically <laughs> got rid of the entire police department, but within, like, a year or so, uh, the, they just rehired the old cops. So, that's something to be on guard about when yeah. it comes to Minnesota disbanding their police department. But the reasoning they gave was... I think very noteworthy because they said it was just beyond reform which this is yeah. this i think that talking point's important especially when it comes to the these calls to either defund or abolish the police because it's coming from an understanding that these these deaths of unarmed black people like it's not just a few bad apples it's a system of policing that is fundamentally rotten and no matter how much you reform yeah. it, it won't change. So the next alternative is to just abolish the police and replace it with something new. And that something new
1: <laughs> is open to a lot of ideas. Some people... Yeah. Well, yeah. I I don't even know if we mean, like, replace the police. Because you, whatever you're placing with, are still going to be cop-like. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing and, you know, whatever, fucking Vermont you know, cheese brained idiot over there doesn't get is that if you, it doesn't matter how many fucking degrees a cop has. Cause it's not about how, what their training is. It's about what their material function exactly. is. Exactly. They have to enforce. So it doesn't matter what you teach them because exactly. like what they have to go out and do is enforce capitalism mm-hmm. and that there's only one way to do that. And that's violently. Yeah. And so, It doesn't, there's no amount of trainings or checklists or procedures you can do that make, like, the cops (laughs) any, that will make them anything other than what they are, which is the enforcement mechanism of capital. Now, I certainly there's an argument to be made whether they've metastasized to the point that even, like, the Chamber of Commerce can't rein them in, but they enforce the system of capitalism, so... You know, defunding, at the very least, is, like, <laughs> trying... You know, it is kind of like Medicare for All. It's like, look, just let's do a little social democracy. Let's just, like, ha- maybe have a more functioning welfare state. Literally just get the boots off people's necks yeah. a little bit. Because we're fucking tired. We're fucking tired of... You know, I, they're, the cops are somehow out m- now more. Like, like I see them now in the grocery store parking lot, where I never used to see them. They, like... <laughs> You know, people. People. I'm tired of looking at those fucking things. All right. I'm just tired of looking at them. I don't want to see them anymore. You know, and and they also I, yeah, I, and, and they also exist in in addition to protecting capitalism,
0: they protect white people's fears of black people. Like, hence that that whole Amy uh, Cooper,
1: uh, video.
0: So yeah. it's like yeah, well, there's
1: well, they need well, they need that fear so that they can. So that suburbia can exist. So, you know, suburbanites who are like, well, if we got, you know, rid of the police, what would happen to my precious little suburb? And like, yeah, I might get fucked up because, you know, lots of people's lives were destroyed so you could have your stupid little suburbs. So get the fuck over it. You know, we're not fucking around anymore. So like I say, like (laughs) defunding the police is the half measure and like cities really should take it because like it's just it's just like the most obvious thing to do. Every single fucking mayor ever, every Democratic mayor ever is like, yeah, we need to invest more in social services and not as much in the police. And they never do. And every year they give them more money and just for once in their life, you know, actually live up to one of their promises that they break every single day. OK, like what's good. The other good thing about defunding the police is that, yeah, it channels the city council rage, you know, mm-hmm. every every every. <laughs> You know, God God bless all the people, all the, you know, those are the good boomers. The good boomers are the ones that go to the city council meeting every month and, you know, yep. wait their turn to speak. And now we've got some them to have something incredibly righteous to speak about. You know, this is this is just,
0: this is this is ahead. another thing to be on guard about, because so, again, when it comes to abolishing the police, like there's going to be a vacuum. Like so and so one way that vacuum gets filled is through privatization. So there's an there's an article in Reason magazine of all I mean, obviously Reason's a libertarian publication. Of course. So they say the headline is professionalizing police hasn't worked. Try privatizing instead and it also says no no amount of protesting is likely to reduce police brutality in the absence of structural forms that increase accountability competi- competition choice and incentives so this is there's another thing to be on guard about that like uh, especially <laughs> especially for people on the left who have who have a critique of police that that leads to basically supporting abolition um you have to think about what the alternative can be and you don't want like the alternative to be private mercenaries
1: well you can't i mean they already exist like they were brought in for standing rock and yeah stuff, exactly so it's like you really you don't want
0: them to you really can't
1: have a. St- you really can't have a state and not have like you know some sort of official security force that is above all other private security forces like like a fail fe- like a, a state or a city where there's like you know literally can competing bands of violent enforcers is like literally like fucking a war zone reason you fucking idiots jesus christ Uh, yeah no we need to open up the market like to to the market of law enforcement yeah i mean there already is like second and third or i mean there is like a whole industry around the cops there's all you know so much i think we talked about that last time Mm -hmm. But it deserves to be repeated that, yeah, there's, you know, from gear salesmen to, you know, trade mags to conventions to all this shit. And a lot of that stuff, because it does because there isn't necessarily anything specifically in, you know, in the police department itself that makes cops, you know, that encourages that mentality entirely. But, you know, all the second order stuff is one of the is one of the things that really encourages the thin blue line shit. And on a cultural front, that is something that we really need to push back against. And, you know, this is this is a workplace issue, too. You know, if your workplace like gives discounts to cops or has contracts with the police, you know, push them to get rid of that, you know, because they because. At the very least, let's not, like, can we just, like, remove our, you know, nose from, like, six inches all the way up their ass? Can we just, like, can we just detach that for a second? Like, Jesus Christ, guys.
0: Yeah, and another thing about, like, abolition, I think, I keep forgetting the person. I think it was, um, Ruth Gilmore. I, 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 just, I gotta double check uh, on that. But, basically, like, abolition can go in two ways. You can either abolish and get rid of the physical structures of prisons and police or you can abolish the conditions that make police and prisons necessary in the first place and so i think that's really important because i think sometimes when people approach like abolishing police they think oh just get rid of police departments as we saw in in camden new jersey they got rid of their police department but they just got replaced with like another form of policing that's that's softer Whereas I think people yeah. who are more, uh, like I guess towards our end is are basically like, we need to get rid of the conditions that make police a, a necessity, yeah. which means tackling capitalism and settler colonialism, yeah. and also giving um, o- oppressed and colonized communities counterpower to to fight against that. So I think I want to yeah. make that distinction. And I think it's a distinction I'll make, like, again, again, as, as this, this um, idea of abolition um, be- becomes more discussed, that, you know, you could abolish, you know, the physical structure of prisons and the physical, the the, the police departments, but you, the as long as the material conditions that give rise to the need for police, it'll be filled in by another form of policing. So that's why I brought up the reason article, which is that if you just abolish police departments then well capitalists are going to be like okay well let's just have like expanded uh mercenaries and private security and that's right. and that's something that like you can look at our overseas wars because we're not using conventional <laughs> forces as much as we used to but we are using more in addition to special ops we're using more um private military contractors the the original pmc or mercenaries <laughs> so that's something to think about yeah. is that like even if you weaken the state's ability to do violence, it could be replaced by, you know, a, a private, and, p- private capital violence like and, feudalism. And, basically. and don't feudalism.
1: Yeah, and don't for a sec. And it's not like those people would be any less racist, right? It, it would just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Guys. I mean, because especially with private reasons, stupid. Because
0: because with private security, like there's there's not a lot of laws to really regulate them. So it would be even worse if you just. Let's say, like, theoretically abolish all police departments, but give more power to private security. So, again, that's something to think about. Is that, like, when talking about abolition, to think about uh, getting rid of the conditions that give rise for the need for policing in the first place.
1: Well, and just, just, yeah, just to round out the whole thing, because, you know, funniest thing about libertarians is they don't even understand the system they love so much. Uh, What is this state? it's the monopoly on violence what happens under capitalism capitalism naturally creates monopolies so even if you introduce competition (laughs) the the wonders of the free market (laughs) to law enforcement like what will eventually happen is that like one group will crowd all the others out and they'll be the cops again so like miss fuck out of here this dumb bullshit Why you know every everyone? This is the thing where it's like that. This should have been like the Clarion's call for everyone to be like, "Oh shit, this is happening." But Americans are so we're just you know we're so caught up in just all the petty, stupid shit that we spend our lives you know arguing about, obsessing over that we really just can't see things for what they are right now, and so. Yeah, it's like, of course, reason's going to come up with like, yeah, no, let's let's do mercenaries. That's 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 I mean, that's what they want, really, there, because they think they're going to be running them.
0: Or there's something. a really good article in Black Black Agenda Report called Comu- Community Control versus defunding the police, a critical analysis. So they're not opposing defunding the police, but they do say they say uh, defunding the police today would not lead to the abolition of police tomorrow, which is what a lot of people are saying. Like, if you defund the police, it will lead to abolishing the police sometime in the future um and and i think like i think that's um i think it's an important sort of thing to think about because again as long as the sort of material conditions exist that give rise for the need for police even if you defund or get rid of the police they'll just replace with like another form of police because before police there were slave catchers the slave catchers became police so if you get rid of police what are the, like they could become like i don't know like some sort of uh cyberpunk dark private security force or something like that like that could be i'm, I'm just sort of making it up but the point is is, is to have a, a critical understanding of the conditions that give rise for police in the first place um so uh so what they this, this is uh i'll put this article in the show notes but i do want to mention this idea of uh community control over police um and basically giving um the working class and oppressed communities um power um uh, i just want to i just want to read uh I, w- I want to just pull up a few quotes just to sort of um explain what i'm referring to uh this is from the pan-african community action they were founded in um 2015 and um they say the core issue is power not racism we cannot change yeah we cannot change our reality by ending racism or the attitudes and opinions of others or the, the or the attitudes and opinions others hold of us Our conditions will only change when we shift power into our own hands and exercise self-determination, thereby rendering the opinions of racists irrelevant. And I think that's something to think about, especially because that was something that the Black Panthers, when they were talking about community control over police, it's not like the community policing shit. that's, That's different. Like Community policing is a scam. That's not community it control. Is. It's, it's yeah. people have to be really pay attention to the wording. Community policing yeah. is a scam that
1: it is. It's basically like the entire it's like pure embeddedness. Mm-hmm. It is it is like every it's the idea that like everyone in the neighborhood snitches. Yeah. You know, there are no sni that nobody holds out. It's everyone trusts the cops. Everyone loves the cops and everyone cooperates with them fully because they believe that the cops defend them or or whatever. Community control is like, no, we have the oversight. We can determine how much money you get. We can hire and fire people. Yeah. We get to look at everything you do. Anytime you have to use force, you know, we get the public gets to actually read that report. And, you know, if you have like actually engaged civilians you know, of that neighborhood, overseeing this stuff, then it is like, uh, you know, the question then becomes: Wait, why are we? Why do we need you at all? Right, <laughs> right. Why don't we just give the money to social workers? Because the ho- whole thing is that, like, actually, you could. I mean, look, social workers, you know, don't get paid the at the level cops yeah. do at uh-huh. all, and you know, don't have you know sixty hours of overtime every month or whatever. I, at least I don't think, you know, and you could get a lot more and you could get a lot more done and you could get like yeah. so you could, you know, so the, you you could solve the problems that people think police are there to solve better with social workers. Yeah.
0: And uh, so there is this really good medium post called Confessions of a Former Bastard Cop, and he basically explains like how um, institutionally and systemically police are beyond reform and he goes through um very common proposals that people are coming up with but he's basically saying that these don't work so increased bias training he says a quarterly or even monthly training session is not capable of covering over years of trauma-based camaraderie in police forces i can tell you from experience we don't take it seriously the proctors let us cheat on whatever tests there are and we all made fun of it later over coffee he says tougher laws I hope you understand by now. Cops do not follow the law and will not hold each other accountable to the law. Tougher laws are not are all the more reason to circle the wagons and protect your brothers, brothers, brothers and sisters. Now this is community policing, he said. Yes, there is a marginal effect when a few cops get to know members of the community. But look at the protests of 2020. Many of the cops pe- pepper spraying journalists were probably the nice cop a month ago. And so this this something is something he says here that I think is really important that, that ties into what we're saying. He says Police officers do not protect and serve people. They protect and serve the status quo, polite society, and private property. Using the incremental mechanisms of the status quo will never reform the police because the status quo relies on police violence to exist. Again, that that that's important because if you don't understand the, the those, those there's a there's a systemic material reality that gives rise for policing to exist in the first place and he says capitalism requires a permanent underclass to exploit for cheap labor and it requires the cops to bring that underclass damn. to heal that like is very important And he,
1: damn, damn yeah. wow that is that's a lot from a former cop I will and say. he said
0: so his solutions he <laughs> says and basically end qualified immunity and civil asset for forfeiture break the power of pro- break the power of police unions require malpractice insurance defund demilitarize and disarm Jesus. cops and he said one final idea consider abolishing the police so this is like a step-by-step thing you have to do like some because there are real reforms that yeah. actually do make sense like ending qualified immunity yeah that's like common sense like that should be like just bullet point one then go on to like yeah defund the police but I think like it's important to, to, to go beyond defunding the police yeah. and also like abolish the police and, and restructure the society so police and prisons aren't necessary in the first place. So that even when you right. abolish police, they don't get filled in by another sort of quasi policing force to to, to to basically bring the underclass and bring the colonized people to heal. Which I think that's that's like when we're talking about police abolition I think people really, really need to understand that, like, why police and prisons exist in the first place. They exist because of a very, very brutal class and racial hierarchy that gets reinforced through through police violence.
1: Yes, very specifically, the way capitalism functions is that you need an oversupply of labor. So you know for in order to be able to drive wages down and to get labor at the cheapest amount you need more laborers than you have actual jobs that's what unemployment is of course but you also need them to you also need those other people to be kept in line and to not ever feel like they sh- can like get by without a job so they have to be constantly criminalized that's what the police are for you know in the northern states where when police weren't slave Patrol. they were it basically existed to beat up the working class and make sure they went to their jobs that you know that that like yes the whole system of capitalism you know requires a police force yeah. or colonialism yeah it's the same thing
0: and also what we what's considered to be criminal is determined by race and class um they're like you know yeah. because Crimes of the elite never get policed. Like the ri- like the very rich corporate America, they can literally rob the country blind, and they would not get shot by the police. Yeah. And that's not accidental yeah. because the police exist yeah. to beat up
1: the lower classes and to beat I mean, up the, beat up I mean, the colonized I mean,
0: classes.
1: Like literally, and one of, and this was actually a pretty profound radicalizing moment was watching the, like one of the frontline documentaries about the financial crisis, and they literally. Just had these DOJ people say like, uh, "Yeah, I mean, we know what crimes these CEOs did, but it would be too it would be too detrimental to the economy to arrest exactly. them." Exactly. So I mean, he literally just admitted they were above the law. Exactly. I always I always like to imagine like a uh, you know, like one of the hot zone maps, but for white collar crime, mm-hmm. and so it's all the like financial districts, and you know, if you have like if you have like Wall Street motherfuckers being harassed by like the financial crime police at the same way <laughs> like, and, and also like they bust into a copy room or something um and also uh like
0: you know look at look at um war criminals like the bush administration and cheney and and i mean fucking kissinger right like all the people who yeah. are responsible for war crimes yeah. overseas there's no I-
1: icc racist as fuck yeah
0: like there's no accountability for the for those people you know, and and that again, that's not accidental. Like the 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 system of policing, and and uh, so called criminal justice, they're meant to reinforce pre existing hierarchies. So, yeah. if if those hierarchies remain, and you abolish police, then you're just going to get another form of sort of quasi police to reinforce the hierarchy. So, when it comes to abolition, you have to get rid of the reason why that kind of like pol- like why policing and prisons exists in the first place but again it's like i wanted to mention that because um i just think there's a lot of confusion about what you know this idea of abolition means and how to explain it and and i think there's there's a lot of great resources you don't, you don't have you don't have to just rely on us there's plenty of good stuff to look up uh miriam um miriam K- uh kaba um in um in, yeah. in, in, Chi- in chicago she's really good Uh She's been doing this work for decades. yeah, so she she's an OG like she's definitely an OG. Um, I'd recommend. Well, her Twitter is kind of private, so I don't think she really likes uh, having too many people follow her Twitter. But Miriam Akhaba, like she, she's um, yeah, she's really good when it
1: comes to this, this stuff. Uh, Project Nia, yeah. is, is the organization. Mm-hmm.
0: There's a lot of good. There's a um, lot of really good resources and people to talk to. We're just kind of giving, you know, our,
1: our take on it. Yeah. But yeah. Well, yeah, I think we're going to, you know, I want to like sort of compile a database of like the real organizations you should support materially um, because there's just like so many, so many people are making money off this that should not be. And the people that deserve the resources, you know, we should do whatever we can to make sure that they get them um i do want to bring up since he mentioned it in his article is the question of police unions because uh people had you know people in the afl-cio have been petitioning now uh to get to get the iupa which is the uh police union in the afl-cio out because like cops don't have any you know cops beat up the working class they're Mm -hmm. not part of it right but uh richard trumpka head of the AFL- AFL-CIO, you know. Of course, of course we knew that he wasn't going to move because the AFL-CIO is just like a horrendously conservative, you know, business-friendly union and that's why it's allowed to exist as at the level that it is. But, you know, yeah, he said that basically, you know, we've heard it, but we believe that the I, you know, please have the right to organize and collectively bargain. And this is something that I want that we need to be really clear about because um, the right has already picked up on this and they, you know, are absolutely going to try and do bills that will, you know, claim to like go after police unions, but it'll be like police unions and every other public sector union like they tried the last time Mm -hmm. um, in Wisconsin and Ohio. And, um, you know, probably even whatever it is they do to police unions will get, um, you know, (laughs) gutted soon after. So we should not, like, look for, like, legislative action to break up police unions. But what absolutely does need to happen is that everyone who's in a union... You know that has cops in it it needs to you know start pushing their union to get them out uh because they get no they should have no quarter in the labor movement at all and you know most a lot of people understand this but part of the problem is because unions have been uh, you know just so relentlessly assaulted by capital for the past 40 years like police are one of the places where they can like get dues and you know it's pretty easy to get people to sign up for it but really like cops don't even you know because they're not even like working class at this point they are basically petty bourgeois that like yeah it's like they don't they don't really need unions i mean they're like unions for cop for the supervisors too. the union you know i don't even know if you can call them unions really they're just like associations. Like the FOP isn't really like a union. Yeah. So
0: I just you know sorry I just want to make sure like because I I had f- forgot the name. So Ruth Wilson Gilmore, um she she's an abolitionist and her quote, she says, "We aim to abolish the conditions under which the prison came to be the solution to problems, rather than the buildings which we came to call prisons." So. It's not yeah. enough
1: just to abolish the physical structure. I mean, we can I mean we can tear down the prison itself. Yeah, too. it's not a whole lot we right. can do with these. Prisons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. it, they're pretty. They're, they're pretty ugly yeah. buildings.
0: It's just, uh, you know, like like uh, yeah, get rid of the physical physical building, but like also the conditions that make make the existence make their existence uh, necessary in the first place, or or seem make make them seem like that they're. A solution to the problem so yeah i wanted to mention that quote so i think that's a really good quote to think about abolition which is again we aim to abolish the conditions under which the prison came to be the solution to problems rather than the buildings which we came to call prisons so
1: yeah but yeah just to round out what i was saying about police unions is that you know whatever if cops want to get together and organize whatever i don't give a shit you know but that has but exactly that has nothing to do with anyone in the labor movement that has nothing to do with anyone in the working class like like they're not they need to be fully and completely out and no no solidarity absolutely nothing just like they are they are completely out you know fuck those guys i mean everyone knows this but you know union bureaucracies and stuff that have you know allowed them to kind of worm their way in when they really shouldn't be there um So I just wanted to get, you know, wanted to clear the air on that. Uh, One of the other, you know, fascinating little developments, because I think this, you know, what we're we're trying to communicate, what I'm trying to communicate is that this movement for a world without cops, you know, which, of course, is the most beautiful thing you can ever imagine. um, I can't I literally can't imagine anything better to devote your life to than trying to have a world without cops. Um, they're really, I mean, they are the worst people in the entire world, you know. Um, but some of that does come, you know, there's a mil- there is a community aspect to it. There's a workplace organizing aspect to it, but there's also a militant aspect to it. So I don't know if you guys have been following Seattle, mm-hmm. but for since the protest started, um, people have been taking specifically to... This the main park in Capitol Hill, which is the sort of uh, it was initially the Gaborhood of Seattle. And then kind of got gentrified and it was pretty gentrified when I lived there. Um, but there's like a giant park in the middle of it. And they've been going there every night since the protests began um, for, you know, to hold the square kind of Tahrir Square style, uh, Arab Spring style. And they were getting tear gas. They were getting shot with all sorts of weird shit. Uh, you know, I've had I've been talking to people who were there and getting report backs, But um, but finally, eventually, the police basically ran out of tear gas, and then they just left. Hmm. They left. They they left the police station in Capitol Hill, and they just quit. You know, and so now Capitol Hill, your average like uh you know gentrified little arts district in in the mid-size you know mid to large size city is an autonomous zone nice. there are they yeah it is it is like quite literally an autonomous zone it's it's like the paris commune um you know they have guard they have like armed guards but they are you know patrolling it but they also like are doing garbage collection you know doing meals and you know all sorts of stuff and uh we're gonna try. I'm gonna try and, you know, cover this, uh, more in depth later on. But it is, you know, it's it's a beautiful thing to see. And you know, I'm not sure what's gonna happen. You know, certainly <laughs> that's not the kind of thing the police are just willing to accept. But, you know, it's, you know, it's it's an indication of one just how cowardly the police are and how they aren't actually willing to fight for anything. All they, they, they just want to beat people up, but they're not willing to risk anything. Um, so that's, that's something to remember is that like, they're all punks, they're all cowards. Um, and they'll just run if you stand up to them, you know, for long enough. Yeah. But also that it is like exactly what we're talking about where we are, you know, they have the chance to reorganize society in a way that doesn't need cops. And you know, certainly, um, I remember the days of Occupy Wall Street, and I, you know, spent some time at some of that encampment. And you know, for all the idealism, I mean, the I will say that the execution was not quite. It left a lot to be desired. I'll say that you know, but part of the whole thing is that people learn from these lessons. They learned from the 99 WTO protests, which basically did shut down the city. Um, and, you know, if anyone can do it, you know, the an- Seattle anarchists, can, you know, probably could. So, you know, my full support and, you know, whatever my philosophical disagreements with the anarchists are, like, this is not at all the time for that kind of shit. Absolutely. You know, no sectarianism allowed in this movement. Um, We, you know, at some point, (laughs) you know, people have to become organized and disciplined enough that it is basically, you know, kind of a state-like or party-like function, but, you know, we'll see, we'll see, because the Paris Commune did fall apart to internal squabbling, so hopefully, you know, my um, heart goes out to those guys, and... That's the kind of stuff because they're expecting it to fall apart. But what if it doesn't? What if it's great? You know, then they then that's the real problem they have on their hands. What if it's doing? What if it's great? And what if it's the most beautiful part of the entire city? Right. Then what? So, you know, and also, you know, double blow against uh, the police and gentrification, because, you know, what's the real estate market in an autonomous zone? So, you know. That's another thing. World without cops is fighting gentrification. I mean, it's all it all links up. You know, anti-police is just you know the tip of the mm-hmm. spear. It's the spearhead through which every other movement, you know, attaches itself and follows the direction. And that's the thing that, you know, if there's something to be understood coming out of this, it is I. You know, this is my personal opinion, um, but I think that that's exactly it. Is that you know, we just have to have just a widespread anti-police movement in this country, and you know it will take many forms and it will, you know, require many partners and lots of that. But it is just, and you know, we have to get rid of these fucking cops, dude. We just have to. There's no, no way around it. We're not. We're not stopping, and we're not yeah. going to give up. Yeah. You know. Yeah, because because so also like. Even, you know, that's why
0: I brought up the confessions of a former bastard cop, that even the <clears throat> reforms that are being proposed now, like, they're not going to work, right? And that's why I brought up the the quote yeah. from what the Minneapolis City Council's reasoning for disbanding the police, which is, it's beyond reform. Like, there's a fundamental rot in American policing that's beyond reform. So you have to just basically just overturn the whole system. That's that's the that's the alternative. That's the only thing that's yeah. le- that's left. Is like you know we've tried like you know hugging cops and doing racial bias training and and all this other stuff and body cameras and that has not worked. And, 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 given and them giving more, them like, like, more money. It does not work. <laughs> There's a fundamental <laughs> rot within American policing that's tied to. The fundamental rot that exists in this country and you have to just flip the whole thing over press a reset button
1: and, and yeah you need a social revolution yeah. along with so the political.
0: it was we, what's weird is that like you know america i mean I, I, yeah i don't i don't get all giddy about like american jingoism but i mean this country was founded on a revolution right you know it's part like that's it, like revolution is part of american history and we look at other countries when they you know revolt against oppression as like oh they're brave freedom fighters so this is our chance at that moment this is our moment in in, in yeah i mean
1: i mean if you can if you consider yourself a patriot you have to be fighting the police it's not even a question now if you like i don't i don't want to hear it i don't want to hear it at all if you consider yourself someone who believes in freedom or democracy or any of that bullshit um I, no, I, I mean, it's bullshit the way they talk about it. They are yeah. real concepts, but it's like if you believe any of that stuff, you if you claim or if you think that you that's those are your principles and that's what you fight for, you have to be anti-police. It's just there's not even a question, you know, people, people, you know, guess a lot of, you know, uh Cat lily livered libs, you know, hate like why? Why do we have to take sides? Because that's how, that's how uh, <laughs> conflict is, and this is class conflict, and it has been right. for yeah. centuries. And conflict is there's one side, and then there's another, and which side are you on? I'm sorry that like you don't, you know, that's hard for you, but it's like you got you got to pick a side, and it's yeah. like yeah, no. You, you, can't, you can't be pro-cop in any way, in any way, shape, or form at this point anymore. There's no qualified statement. It's not like, oh, well, we need to think about, you know, look, it's, do you think that in Algeria, they were like, oh, well, you know, some of the French cops are good. Like, it's just a few bad apples. Maybe we can reform the French occupation. Like, do you think there was, talk- I mean, there, maybe there were a couple of people who had been bought off. He said some dumb shit like that, but that's not what the people wanted. They wanted them out, and that's what we want. We want them out. We want all cops gone. All cops gone. No cops. It's you know just 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 say it a bunch of times. Like, <laughs> you know, I had the last time last you know the last protest I went to, which really wasn't a protest. Yeah, they said Black Lives Matter over and over again as some sort oh, of magical man. incantation. Oh, one, of um, one of those. Which you know. As if you can, like, bring it into being or something by saying it enough. You know, if you're going to do that, do it with, like, no more police. Say that over and over again and let it, you know, work its way into your soul and feel it. Because this is, you know, honestly, like, you know, the left, let's call it, or Americans or the American people, you know, have shown actually a surprising amount of bravery and courage and resilience in all of this in a way that I honestly had not seen. And, you know, it's inspired me to, you know, really get, get my ass going and, you know, make this podcast, you know, the best at the, and direct service to the movement in a way that like we can, you know, amplify it and keep it going and, you know, make it in its fullest and most powerful form. And that's, you know, what we're going to be doing with it. And that's what everyone needs to. They can't let that feeling, that bur- that initial burst, they can't let it yeah. go away. Because here, here's what I'll say from, you know, my occupied days or even some of the BLM stuff is like, you don't know when you're going to get that glimpse again, that burst. It, it, it may, You may not get it for five, ten years. You may never get it again for the rest of your life. You know, this is really long and hard work, but it is, you know, hard work in service of the most, you know, noble and beautiful goal you could ever ask for. So please, please stay in it, you know, stay, you know, read up. Um, and also, like, this is the way you talk to your neighbors. This is the way yeah. you build community. This is that that's that's one of the things that's so important that I think everyone needs to understand is the way we fight the police is through community. It's through trust. It's through rebuilding those bonds of social trust that, you know, neoliberal capitalism has worked so hard to alienate that, you know, we find ourselves atomized and we don't know anyone. And it's like this is this is it. And I feel like there is, you know, a little bit difference in the air. Right now where people are a little more trusting of each other. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But that's, that's, that's such an important thing, you know. But also get in shape, become stronger, you know. Literally, you know, learn how to fight. I mean, all this stuff. It's, it's about what, you know, one thing that I've discovered, I guess, in my life is that, especially with political stuff, is that when I, you know, not that I have any sort of extreme power or anything like that. But when I acted my fullest and when I, you know, to the fullest of my convictions, and I put myself out there in a way that, you know, constitutes some actual risk, I do see, you know, there's some sort of effect where it's like, you discover that you're not the only one who's doing that. But if you're not doing it, because you're waiting for someone else to do it, those yeah. other people are yep. waiting for you to do yep. it, so you have yep. to be doing. It. Yeah,
0: yeah, and actually, that what you're saying reminds me of all this sort of uh, talk <laughs> about allies, right? And and white allies and all this stuff. And it's like mm-hmm. I, I was talking to a friend of mine about this, like you know, about being an ally and a friend. It's like like you have to boil down like what those terms mean. Like allies, it's usually an, an alliance is usually between two equal forces for uh, trying to achieve a common purpose um it's so when you're talking about like like let's say like okay it's so like you know um there could be like a natural alliance between black people and native americans against white supremacy like we're coming from different communities but there's a shared grievance and a shared goal which is to get rid of settler colonialism and capitalism because we we both have been screwed by it like that's an alliance right um and in alliance like allies like they don't take over each other's armies we let each other fight on our own fronts but we can come together to fight for a common cause and fight in parallel and support each other like one side supports the other side and and back and forth um and also like what allies and particularly friends like a friend a friend is there for you through the thick and thin like a friend is going to be there for you like a really good friend that you can trust they're going to be there for you during your rough times, right? Like, a friend is not going to let you down during, during the rough times. And so I want to say that because, especially when it comes to allies to the black community, because especially in light of Black Lives Matter, like, like I think those have to be drilled in people's heads, that if, if you want to be an ally to black people in Black Lives Matter, um, you know, you have to fight with us as equals toward a common goal. Which in this case is like just just hatred of police and a world without policing in a world where yeah. policing is not necessary and a world in which like racial and class uh, and gender hierarchies don't exist, um, and and with white people, white people have a different position in this because at least in American society white people and black people are not situated equally in terms of p- politics social status economics like like yeah like black people white people we can eat at the same lunch counter but like we're coming from very very different um social economic and political positions so in order for white people to be effective and this is just what i've been thinking about is that like white people have to give themselves up totally like because white people because the the thing about like whiteness is like and peter you and i've been talking about this like you know outside like what whiteness Mm -hmm. like Everything is about you. It's like, because when white allies are like, oh my God, like, how can I do this? And it's, it's always like white people make allyship about themselves when it's like, no, it's not about you. Like You have to get rid of you. You have to get rid of the wow. self. You have to give up the self and throw yourself 100% in the struggle through thick and thin. Like once you're in the struggle, you're here 100%. Yeah. There's no turning back. You have to throw your entire fucking body and your goddamn soul into this shit. There's no turning back. So if you go to a protest, okay, you better be going to the next one and the next one and the next one and and, and calling out, like, you know, your white friends when they say racist shit or encouraging your white friends to come to a protest. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure there are plenty, like, you know, white ladies who are, like, reading Ibram Kendi. Look, all your other, like, nonprofit liberal white lady friends go to a protest together. Who cares if they don't share the same politics? Go to the same fucking yeah. protest and make it a consistent thing because that's the thing about struggle and purpose. Yeah. Like, this is a time, I think, especially for white people to find purpose. Like, you can, like... Because the thing is, like, black people, we've been doing this because of, of survival. Like, we have to. Like, we have to do it to survive. If white people want to be allies, and I'm not trying to do this, like, to be, like, an anti-racism expert or whatever, but I do think that you know when it comes to political coalitions and partnerships i do think that like there is such a good thing there is such a thing as effective allyship and i think like you know especially with a lot of white people who are becoming new to this stuff like black lives matter ab- police abolition anti racism all this stuff like this stuff is going to sound new but like if this is your first time you got to throw yourself in it you're going to have to be you're you're going to have to give up a lot of a lot of comforts of white American society. Yeah. You have to give that up and fight for a better future. Even if you may not see it in your lifetime, maybe hopefully in your kid's lifetime or your grandkids lifetime, but you have to be the one who's be willing to be willing to plant the seed so that it can-, it can grow into something beautiful and be willing to risk and give yourself up. And that's something that yeah. American society does not teach people. And that's a skill that people have to relearn how to socialize, Build connections with people. Throw to, yourself into the struggle. Build community. Yeah. Like that that's that's what the fuck we need right now. Anyway.
1: Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> all of that. Um because America teaches us individualism, and individualism is about basically yeah. there's nothing greater than me. And it's like anything else that is happening in society, how does that affect me and what can I do to make the most effect? And in society, you know, just through me or whatever. And really, I mean, individualism is exactly. just bourgeois thinking because like it's not even on offer for most of the working class. But it is also just like Yeah, I mean you really do have to get to a point where it is like you cannot live normally. You cannot exactly. be well adjusted yeah in this society. And because because you know what? Right me, none of us are. Like, we'd, we can't, we can't, like, live in this society and have everything be okay and not think about it or whatever. We don't have that luxury. So you have to be, you have to get to that level, you know. And, look, don't burn yourself out, of course. And, you know, don't be, you know, be strategic about things. But, um, you know, find comrades and be accountable. But I me also just say that, like, yeah, white people the white left um i spent like eight months taking cues from you going along with your plan to get bernie sanders to be president um and in two weeks under black leadership this country has accomplished exponentially more. greater amounts more. of things <laughs> Then, then I then the eight months of that bullshit, like, I'm sorry, but I, I am actually pretty upset that like you that I was able to get fooled by this because I didn't even I wasn't even that fooled in 2016. But it was like, yeah, no, it's like you guys just kind of don't know what you're doing. I mean, I'm sorry, but, you know, it's that's what happened yeah. in the 60s, too, is that it was watching the civil rights movement, watching black people risk their lives, you know, for their freedom and that made white people think, like, huh, that's a lot yeah. of other stuff we could be yeah. doing. And and, and also, like, on, a lot of those, so.
0: particularly, white like, white Zoomer kids, I do think that, like, again, I'm saying this because I want effective allyship and not, like, the bullshit performative stuff. And I do think there is such a thing as white people and non-black folks being effective, not even allies, comrades, friends. Yeah. Like comrades and friends to black people on a on a truly on a true level of what it means to be a friend. I think that is possible. I just think the society we live in makes it very, very difficult for people to do that effectively.
1: Well Well, yes, and also this is because there's our you know, there's all these received narratives about what a multiracial friendship looks like you know through like green book type movies and shit where it, it's like an excuse to be racist to right. each other and that's the opposite and it's like white people want black friends mm-hmm. so they can use the word you know honestly and stuff like that and it's like we're sort of an accoutrement that you know just makes them seem more exactly. whole but it doesn't there's no right. risk on their part it, we just help them grow and it's like no mm-hmm. you have to risk you have to sacrifice you have to to be willing to give up whatever, you know, bourgeois future you possibly could have held. Because honestly, you know, not that I ever really had one. I mean, if I'm going to be honest with myself. But, I mean, both of us, I mean, we went to, went to you know, Stanford or whatever. If we wanted to have joined the system, um, I mean, we could have. You know, I cer- certainly I'm capable enough, you know, considering the kind of idiots that run this shit. But, you know we made, you know, I at least made the mistake of believing there is something greater to devote myself to. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's, it's, it has not been easy, you know, (laughs) reckoning with the direction my life has taken because I prioritize the struggle over other things. But, you know, it's gotten me to this point where it is like, now I feel and I know that I'm stronger because of it. And You know, we're able to do greater things and, you know, be bolder and take bolder action. And that is something that it takes a while for Mm -hmm. it to really manifest. You know, this is just the first step for a lot of people. And, you know, that you get the burst, you get the rush, you get the sense of being in a historical moment. And it's an incredibly powerful feeling. And it's better than any drug you can ever take. I mean, I haven't taken heroin. Neither have I. Um... (laughs) I you know I would assume you know I mean that that those feelings are so powerful um that you like have a duty to to live up to them, but it's also incredibly disorienting because of the way American society is structured where you're try- you know you if it would be one thing to just go to the mountains and you know hold up for months i mean that's certainly would be not easy, but at least uh. At least there's a sense of like, this is what you do. I mean, we don't have that kind of a, you know, direct program. But, you know, we have to figure that out. And we the only way we figure it out is through struggle, is through doing stuff. I mean, you know, we like the movement is at the place that it is now because of the lessons of Ferguson. And that's the thing that people need to understand is that. That all this stuff builds on each other yeah and also i and, think this is you
0: know. a unique time i mean i will say this like i think you know for again for white people to be effective allies i think it's just having a sense of purpose and identity that does not rely on um succumbing to and perpetuating a system that relies on other people suffering and i think what's interesting about this moment is because on top of there being these protests like we're in a essentially a depression so in terms of like the prop the promise that was made yeah to millennials and zoomers that like okay you can graduate from college and like have like this white picket fence like that's all gone it's you know it's, it's always been like shit for black people but like we're in a point where like that future is gone for a lot of white people so, at some point, you know, you have to realize, like, wait a minute, hold on, like, our struggles, like, our face are linked in some way, right? And, like, we have to sort of find yeah. a way to build a better world that we can all survive in and, lead, and live in, you know, like, dignity, self-determination, respect in, in real humanity. And, and that's going to entail unlearning a lot of shit we were fed. But also being willing to take that leap and be like, you know what? I'm going to fight for something a lot better. A fight for a better future, not just for myself, but for people I care about and for people who are, uh, you know, going to come after me. Um, At least hoping that the human species survives whatever climate shit we face in the next 50 or 100 years.
1: And and, and it's also just about yelling fuck 12, because fuck them. I mean... Fuck them. Like, like, I, like, I think about, you know, every single time, like, as a child, it's like police are just these terrorizing figures. And just, like, every single cop movie that I watched as a kid and just being like, you know, it's if, if I think about all the things that gave me anxieties, all the reasons for why I felt a particular way and felt like, you know, I was too weak or too small or unworthy for life in this world. So much of it comes from the police. And, you know, I one thing one thing that I've realized is that, like, a lot of those feelings are, you know, something a lot of black kids have gone through. is just like feeling, you know, just just this intense scariness of the world where it is just like, you know, it's made out to be so much more horrible and so much more violent and, you know, just completely devoid of humanity and trust and the reason that they make it out that way is to justify the existence of the police and so they have to terrorize you because like they're terrorists i mean it's you know so so much of it i mean and that's not just the police that's the systems on top of it that's the democrats who tell you that you're wrong for wanting to push anything further than what their latest poll says i mean it's it's all of it and you know overcoming the fear is the most important part about all of this i think is over is getting rid of that fear and once you get rid of that fear you will feel and you will be yeah. free and that's that yeah. is what and it is i will
0: i'll just say this note um you know like i i've been playing West African drumming the past couple of years and uh um there's this uh <clears throat> this um term by the Akan people of Ghana of Ghana called Sankofa which means to go back and fetch like so go back and fetch the traditions of your ancestors and 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 apply them to, for the present so you you can go further in the future and so like by me playing a djembe drum which which is I would consider a part of black history that predates slavery. Um, I see it as a way to continue um, black culture forward into the future. And um, I say that because, you know, when I think of black lives matter, and this is something I've I'm, I'm been telling people in my um, musician circles, because, you know, a lot of musicians are, have been talking about um a uh, uh, Black Lives Matter and what to do and whatnot. And and for me, like the point I've been trying to say is, when it comes to Black Lives Matter, um, there is a beautiful Black life and culture that exists despite death. Like, and I think that's something really important because I think sometimes like we get so inundated with images of Black suffering that that's all people think Black people exist to do, which is just to live and just die. But there's so much more, there's a real beauty to black culture that just growing up, um, I was taught to be proud of. And I, I, you know, I'm very happy that I grew up in a family that really steeped those values in me. Um, and so when it comes to Black Lives Matter, I, I like to say, like, you know, for any kind of a, going forward, I think it's, it's important to um, respect black life and culture and peoplehood as it exists so that it can continue beyond death like black life can't just exist in death like it has to be protected and 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 also like protected in a way that like so we can be truly truly free and i think in order to be truly free it's important to you know preserve some of those pre-slavery um black cultures and traditions but also yeah just to remind people that like there there is a black culture and black life that exists um beyond death uh you know especially our music like i mean blues rock jazz funk hip-hop r&b all that stuff Mm -hmm. um so yeah so i just 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 wanted i guess for to close this episode out um it's just to basically affirm black life and um celebrate it and uh, have it carry us forward into the future, into the, into a future that is uh, free and just for everyone, for all of us. So,
1: yeah. Um, last thing I'll say is last night I watched a uh, spook mm. who sat by the door, um, which is a movie. It's based off a novel and is about a, like a black guy who joins the cia and it just is perfectly invisible in that token higher way and then he leaves and he goes and does the revolution basically and the cia was very really tried hard to ban this film um and i completely understand why because the stuff that i mean they're just like giving you a manual for guerrilla warfare in many ways um and it was, but, but beyond that, it was it was it was, it really hits everything. you can find it on YouTube, but it talks about colorism, talks about class, it talks about, you know, the main character's childhood friend is a cop, and I mean, there's you know <laughs> there's a riot scene and everything i highly I highly recommend it, um, and it's and it is a good. It's a good reminder, the way you were talking about, is that, like, yeah, our our struggle has always been a revolutionary one. It has to be, because there's no iteration of the existing order in which we can, you know, survive and thrive in. And so, you know, for us to live, it is to seek revolution. Um, And, you know, what we need is for everyone else to feel and yep. live that way too
0: and um so. to quote Adam Clayton Powell Jr keep the faith
1: and to, to quote, quote YG Peace. stay dangerous see so, yeah.